Hi, I'm Ben Tritt, CEO of Art Matter, a creative technology company for the visual arts. At the core of our culture is an ecosystem that brings together artists, engineers, and business leaders. Hi, I'm Michael Apfel, partner and founder of Red Cap Films. Like the majority of creatives, I love the tools I use and how they make my life easier, but I have little understanding of how they actually work, how they're made, and how to make them better. We're going to be interviewing the most creative minds in art, tech, and business to find out what's behind the curtain by asking one simple question. So what do you do? I guess, I guess um, um, welcome everybody. Hi, I'm Michael Apfel. And Ben, I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself for a second. Absolutely. Uh, Benjamin Tripp, CEO and founder of Art Matter. Uh, here together on our first, very first podcast for uh, uh, what we're referring to as Art Matter, possibly addressing art and technology and bridging the gap between digital and physical and everything that goes around it creatively, technologically, and entrepreneurially. Wow, that's like a Daenerys Stormburn or whatever her name is type it is, it is introduction. Indeed. It's the whole, it's everything thrown into one. Uh, breaker of breaker of chains. Breaker of chains. There we are. Throw that in there. There we go. Breaker of chains. <laughs> Conqueror of worlds. Um, so no, Kate. Really, really thrilled to have you on as the premier guest. Um, and so I wanted to jump in with um, a bunch of different questions, and it can go wherever it needs to go. Hopefully, this is the first of many. Um, and what I thought is for the future of the podcast, maybe we can have, instead of uh, um, a panel discussion, the reverse, where we'll have several interviewers with one interviewee so we can bring in several people to bring multiple questions from multiple disciplines, multiple, different, different, uh, different ways of life, different, different ways of creating. Um, so today, it is Michael and myself. Um, uh, can we jump into some questions? Um, sure. Okay. So, um, just to get things rolling, um, the, the whole point of this podcast is really to try, I guess, talk about technology, arts and so on, um, how they're going to work together and also what, I guess, what impact they can have on society and the world and in general. Um, and, uh, with that, with that in mind, obviously, Kate, you have a very, very interesting, um, I guess, platform technology going on and uh, mixing with art as well. So we're going to get to that. But before I get to that, I'm going to ask you, just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, your background and so on. So yeah, go for it. Yeah, sure. Um, it, it's always a difficult question. When someone asks me where you're from, like, I'm like deer frozen the headlights. It's like, oh, like, which, 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 which thing do I say? I, I don't know what to say. Um, Someone asked me once, I'd gone to visit an advertising agency and they said to me, where are you from? And I just had this, you know, do I say the elevator, like downstairs in the lobby, you know, like, like which part of my life? And my life flashed back and I just said my mother's womb, which, <laughs> which maybe was not, not the answer they were looking for. Um, but <laughs> I'm originally from, originally from Cheshire, um, South Cheshire in the UK. Um, I went to school around there, and I also went to school in um, in North Wales. Um, um, so, so partly grew up in North Wales, uh, London. No, um, you know, in all those mountains in North Wales, we used to we used to go go in them all every 
every term at school, which was great. Um, and my, um, but my dad worked for shells. So um, in my early teens, we also lived in Oman in the Middle East, um, which was an amazing place to be. And um, so I'd spend some of my time um, on the coast in Muscat, and, but then we'd also go out to the desert where he worked. Um, like an hour's flight out into the desert, a place called Fahud in the middle, this oil camp compound in the desert. And um, my dad would send me off as an early teen doing random things, like with it, go for a day with a paint inspector inspecting oil storage containers or go and drive a Kenworth truck for a day through the desert, which was too many gears. I couldn't figure it out. I got overtaken by a forklift truck. I was going that slow. I went round and round about the wrong way. Um, and then um, in my late teens, we moved to, to Brunei um, on the island of Borneo. So, you know, they, then we're living there. And I remember like in the garden, there was trees with monkeys swinging around the trees. Um, and I learned to cook rice from a, a, a school trip where we went with the Gurkhas into the Borneo jungle and slept there. And they taught us to cook rice and things. Um, and in my early 20s, I lived in Australia and I, I did that for three or four years. and worked on all sorts of farms, sheep farms, great farms, became a sheep herder. Um, you know, like whatever I imagined, um, it became my reality, you know. So, so when I imagined like, you know, Mad Max and Australia and all of that, somehow I accidentally ended up on working in the area and on the farm where they filmed Mad Max and, you know, and, and stuff I'd seen on TV. Like I remember growing up seeing the adverts for Castleman 4X of beer and those are all filmed in this Outback Australia. I ended up working in that very place. So anyway, that's that's where I'm from until until you know mid twenties, um, and that's like half my life ago. But that's why I never know how to answer that question. Um, typical typical progression from shepherd to tech entrepreneur. Usual. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I know it's a long answer. I'm sorry. I no, 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 no. That's the point. How did how did get how did you get to where you are? Now, what was the, what was the, some of the middle periods? Yeah, so, so when I was at school, I was really interested in, in just playing around with technology, you know, m messing around with things. I remember um, getting a kit to, to build a, a, a radio transmitter from the back of a magazine, you could order kits to build radio transmitters. So I soldered the transistors and, and all of that. Um, and I built this little radio transmitter that could transmit onto FM radio. Um, and I carved out a book and hid it in that and then hid that next to my parents. Um, and then um, I went back to my bedroom and tuned in and listened. Um, there are things you cannot unhear. Um, and <laughs> I didn't do it to hear them. I did it because I could. Um, and, and, then, and the moment I'd achieved the goal, I regretted everything about the endeavor. It was awful. And I carved up a book, Captain Hornblower. Um, <laughs> not cool. So I was really interested in electronics. And, you know, and, and I, but I failed my school. I was just a bit different and people didn't really understand me. Um, so I totally failed high school. And I got a, um, a D in my high school physics, A-level. Um, I got an N in maths and an N in design. And I don't really know what N stands for, but when people, when people ask me, I say it stands for not even. <laughs> <laughs> what, I don't know. I don't know, Michael. What do you know? What an N is uh, comparative in, in the U.S. Well, um, seeing as I got them too, I believe it means you're an excellent student. And <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, I'm not. So I assume that, like me, you're also 
um, an underworking but overachieving genius. So uh, that's probably what I mean. <laughs> and for no need to do anything else. I, I think that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, 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 look, based on the fact that I got only ends, I'm assuming that I'm right. So uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, so then I ended up working on these farms in Australia. And, um, and I know you asked me about the in-between bit, but, but, you know, and I enjoyed that. And I had such a vision. Of, I could do all sorts in my life. I could go anywhere, be anything, you know, whatever. And so, you know, I enjoyed, even though I was working in a warehouse, stacking boxes every day for weeks or, you know, getting exploited on some farm and trying to start a union on a grape farm and getting chased away by the farmer and his, and his shotgun, which was not cool. I just started a rebellion. Um, I still, you know, believe I could go anywhere and do anything, but then there'd be, there'd be these like, you know, gap year students that would, that would come over um, that, that had their degree. And, and I started to realize I was always going to be working in the warehouse and, and they were going to be my boss and they were fucking idiots. Um, and, and so I started to think about, I really wanted to go to uni. Um, and I started getting magazines on electronics and reading about it and trying to sort of, you know, get into that. And, um, you know, I, I applied, I, I applied, I, I went to, ended up in Singapore and, um, God, sorry, I made a long story out of this. I ended up in Singapore for various reasons after Australia. And I found a university by looking through the British Council and um, went to visit them. And, and I applied to university from a beach in Malaysia on an, an island called the Prentian Islands. Um, and, um, and, and I didn't know where to get them to reply to because I didn't live anywhere. So I gave them a post office address um, in Hong Kong, um, East Nathan Road, Kowloon, Chim Sa Chui. Um, and, and they wrote to me there. I ended up in Hong Kong, you know, believe it or not. And, um, and they said, you can't join our university because you don't have any A-level, so you can do a foundation course. But back then, the government used to give you funding. So I had a grant to go to uni. So I wrote back saying, uh, no, I'm doing your degree or I'm going to do my A-levels. And they wanted the money. So they, they wrote back and said, um, OK, you can join the degree. Um, so I managed to wangle my way into a university, which was not a very good university. Um, and I didn't like it at all. And then I, I, I convinced three others that we should leave. And we found another university which that we thought was better, which was Salford. And um, we went to Salford and Salford University where, oh, you three are great, but you have no A-levels, so you can't come. And I was like, well, we're a package deal. So it's all four of us, thank you very much. Um, and then they let, me, they let me join the university and I did a degree in electronics. Um, and uh, my goal was to, to correct the past. My goal was to get a first class honours degree in electronic engineering. And I knew to get that, I had to get a degree average of 70. So I aimed for 80 in every single thing that I did. And I completed my degree with a degree average of 79.4. Um, so I almost got the 80. I got almost 10% above a first. And um, two of the top London universities in Cambridge University all offered me to fund me to do a PhD. Um, I chose Cambridge and uh, I ended up doing a PhD in physics in Cambridge, which I loved, which was exploring, you know, deeply exploring how electronics are made down to the sort of atomic level I get, or no, down to the level of an electron, because my PhD was how to move electrons around one at a time. Um, and that's what I did. I made circuits that moved electrons around one at a time. But, you know, and, and 
I wasn't the smartest one. I didn't know all of the staff. I didn't even know who the names of the famous physicists were on the buildings, which is really embarrassing. You know, who is this Rutherford person? Who is what? Never heard of them. Um, um, you know, spitting hairs or spitting atoms. I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, but but I'm good at understanding how to solve a problem um, from a more sort of like a bigger picture point of view, I guess. Um, and I'm good at taking bits of equipment linking them up, creating a system to create this sort of, this system that can do something that wasn't otherwise possible before. And the other students and the professors were telling me that what I was trying to do was impossible, but I put together existing equipment in a different way and I was able to achieve things that people had never done before. Um, and that's what I did in my PhD. Um, and then I joined a startup, which was looking at how to print transistors. That got me massively inspired by printing and electronics. I did that for four years. Wonderful two years. What was, what was the startup kit? Sorry. It's called Plastic Logic. Mm -hmm. Plastic Logic. Yeah. Worked there for two years. First two years was great. I also worked there for four years. Second two years became a political nightmare. Um, I've always been very contrary. I always say what I think and people don't like that. My motive is if you see something, say something, right? You know, don't be the person afterwards. It's like, well, I knew that was going to go wrong, but I didn't want to say anything. Fuck that shit. I will say it. And then people think that I'm being political and then they hate me and I, and I had to quit. So I went off into my garage on my own and started my company now, which is Novalia. And, you know, really the previous company was like 40 PhDs, you know, and they act like God, they hire people in their own image. Yeah. And, and, and I realized that what I was creating looked like a Doc Brown science experiment that no one would ever want, would understand, couldn't communicate it. So I knew the very first person I needed to hire was not another physics PhD, um, but was a, um, an artist. So I asked a friend to go to a local um, college and um, look at, you know, meet some of the students. Um, and Maria um, joined me. Um, and she's worked with me for over 10 years. Um, and, you know, there's seven of us in my team, but half of us are um, tech and half of us are artists, de designers. And sometimes I don't know who's the artist and I, you know, and I don't know who's the technologist because when you work together long enough and you become each other and we call ourselves the entity, because we sort of start to know what each other's thinking, you know, um, you put your hand out for a spanner and they put the right size paintbrush in your hand, you know? <laughs> um, can I, uh, can I, can we, can I pause you right there and just go a little bit deeper into what you just said? Yeah. Um, to that, that paradigm that you just laid out of a company that is half creative, half technology, um, and that actually functions, I think is, uh, a minor miracle, you know, and there, I feel like there are places where that is a given, meaning <clears throat> that's a must, for instance, Pixar, you know, in film, in architecture, you have this natural merging of technology and creatives, but the, the I've, uh, you know, anecdotally from books, from people, I've just heard a lot of um, stories about the difficulty of aligning the creatives and the technical 
minded individuals and I've experienced that on my own, um, in my own business and just experience out in the world. What's what it's worked out really well for you. What do you attribute your success to in that, in that, in that space? What has been, and I'd like to know what's been the most rewarding, what's been the most challenging aspect of that for you? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there, right? And I guess that's why you asked me to go deeper on that. And, yeah. you know, and if I say the secret as to why it's worked, it, I'm probably wrong. Um, and it's probably only a secret because maybe I really don't know. Um, but I think, you know, rather than aligning people, um, we should align goals. Um, you know, we should, we should understand a common mission. And, and we need a respect for each other. We need a respect for the skills that the other person has. Um, you know, you can't undervalue what someone else is bringing. You know, you have to see like the art and tech as like the left hand and the right hand. And, you know, and the, and the, the, the two have to go together. Um, you know, rather than, oh, I'll do the really clever engineering, then I'll pass it to the designers and then they can make it look nice. It's like, actually, no, you know, and you need to dig a lot deeper into the very fundamentals of what you're trying to achieve. You know, so like, are we building technology so we can create things that impress people with how clever our tech is? Um, or are we trying to create something that triggers an emotional reaction in the person that gets it so that they, you know, behold something we've created and they cry, they laugh, or they receive some information, or they're able to do something they weren't otherwise able to do. And if we can kind of get to that as understanding what that goal is, then together we figure out um, how we achieve that. And you know, and and um, you know, when I have an idea of something I want to do, and then another part of the entity, you know, the team, because we, we're all one thing. We all have to see each other as one thing. You know, just like you see a body as you know arms and legs you know all of these different things that come together um you know and when i have an idea of that and then when i see someone's interpretation and what they've created it's like that's exactly what i wanted to create but i could never have done that i didn't even see it like that but you've created the thing that was in my head that i i couldn't even see and that's when it's the most rewarding um i think when it's the most challenging is when for me when i say to the engineers um Oh, what I want to do is have a piece of paper and when I touch on it, I can DJ with a piece of paper. And then the engineers, they do the sucking in through the teeth thing. I don't know if you've, you've, probably, <laughs> you've, probably, you've probably heard them do that. We know when you, when you take your car to the mechanic and then- Wait, the mechanic, wait, wait. That, that yeah. thing, they suck in through their yeah. teeth and they're like, no, that's, that's not possible. And it's like, oh, for fuck's sake, it is possible. <laughs> But anything is impossible if you say it's impossible. Like if you say it can't be done, it can't be fucking done only because you said it can't be done. Um, and like, you know, you need to believe. So, you know, what one ways I've tried to deal with that and deal with the difference between the artists and the engineers is instead of um, saying, oh, we have this project, we want to create this. Can you do the engineering to create this thing? And, 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 and that sounds really difficult to the engineer because they're listening to the the design, the art interpretation of what it is, right? Mm -hmm. So really what I've done instead is get an idea of the types of things you might want to do and then get the engineers to build tools, to build, to build tools that the creatives can use to create things. So the engineers don't build the things in our projects. The en engineers build the platform and they build the tools. 
-hmm. The engineers build the paintbrushes and the paint. You know, I mean, for us, it's electronics. They build, you know, they build pieces of electronics mm -hmm. uh, and, um, you know, and, and do pieces of print and, and software and apps. And then the creatives can use those tools to create things that wouldn't, were never possible to create before. Um, Michael, do you want to jump in or do, or, uh... Uh, yeah, if that's okay. Um, you've actually said something really interesting there before. And I'll, ideally, I'm going to try and move on to, um, I guess, the applications of your, your, I guess, product in a minute, the software, the hardware, and so on. Um, you said, like, just the collaboration between uh, the engineers, the creators, and people with a vision. Um, one of the things that really struck me, I think I heard this when I was a, a child, so I, I might be misquoting it, is that one of the biggest, the biggest leaps in technology were made in the beginning of the 20th century and the end of the 19th century. And so much of that revolved around war, conflict, and necessity. You know, this one needed to be better than that one and so on and so forth. And that also extended to communications. Um, the space race was so much about that as who could be dominant in space. And that led to incredible communication that we have today. Um, your technology is not being made out of wartime. Uh, your, uh, you know, your application is not being made out of wartime, but it's kind of interesting to me, it just pops in my head that people are nowadays, a lot of the time making great. And by the way, I think the last great advance in, um, technology from wartime probably is, um, satellite navigation, GPS, mm -hmm. um, you know, so, but your, your technology is coming out of a peacetime unless you're involved in a war that i don't know about um but uh, but it's coming out of of not just necessity for, to to move forward but it's creative vision and with that in mind what was the creative vision you know what what is how what was the spark what was the end goal other than leaving a, a little uh, transmitter in your father's room and listening in over there which has moved on now, you know, you, you were in physics. You didn't mention that you were, um, you were actually doing, you moved particles around. You didn't mention so much about your technology. What brought you to where you are today um, and, and to the application that you have? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I'm, I'm really interested in getting to the, to the root of, of, of a problem. I'm really interested in, in the why of, of, of something, understanding why of, of, of something. Um, so often, you know, like say like only the whys go five whys deep, um, you know, in really understanding something. Um, that, that's, that's one aspect of, of me, I guess. When I worked at the company where I worked at before, um, we created, you know, these printed transistors and these printed transistor circuits. and. And, and the goal was to get the business funded and to make lots of money. And, you know, and, and I, I joined as a member of the team. I was the fifth person to join. Um, and then the vision of what the things that they could create was, oh, we can create flexible displays or RFID tags. And, 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 and it was just very much like engineer brain extrapolation of tech. Um, and, and it just really annoyed me. Um, I, I wanted to... I like the tech being abstracted to, to not to not be the thing. And then I like to think what what can oh oh 
that scared me. <laughs> it's like, what's yeah. happening? Who's controlling my computer? And it went full screen, which is kind of crazy. And you know, what, what could we, what can we create that's, that's beyond the tech? The tech has to dissolve and disappear into, you know, in, in, into nothing. And then we have to, we have to get to the root of creating an experience for a human being, you know, and, 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 and what is that? And, and so often, um, so often it's about showing off the technology and you know so what was really important to me was 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 the outcome and, and was was touching people connecting people and finding finding those reasons finding finding those whys but you know you, you become you become um chained to sort of like your past right and and your peers and and I needed to break those, oh, breaker of chains, Dr. Kate Stone, breaker of chains. I needed to break those chains. And so, you know, this was like a long time ago, you know, 13, 14, 15 years ago when I started. And I still remember some of the key drivers. And one of them was, I want to develop technology that my, um, that my scientific and engineering friends laugh at, look down on and pour scorn on. I wanted to make things yeah, that, that they would ridicule me for. And, and the, I didn't really want to do that, but I wanted to pretend to myself I wanted to do that, to break the chains of trying to do technical stuff to impress other fucking technologists. I want to create experiences for everyday people. I, I want to just create magical things that might seem frivolous. And I want to, I want to be free to explore that, you know? And I remember um, the former CTO, the CTO of the company where I worked. Um, I remember being at like a government sort of workshop funding thing where they're exploring where they should give the government grants. And I remember him saying that my company should not be a company that receives a grant because what it's doing is not, is not technical enough. It's not advancing the art, it's nothing new. I remember him saying that. I also remember a couple of years later at a trade show where one of our posters was on the wall with you know, some DJ poster sound thing. I remember when he thought no one was looking, he went over, he touched it, <laughs> it made a sound, and I saw a little smile creep over his face and I thought, game over. <laughs> but we have to be, be prepared um, to be free. So um, I you know that the question you asked is now just a distant, a distant feeling. I don't remember what it was. Um, but you know but but really um it, it's it's about it was it was really about not doing the predictable technology evolution um i want to create things that are magical and you know when people try and predict the future they um look at technology where it is where technology was and they project technology into the future it's we'll have flying cars we know so it's the jetsons you know we'll have whatever like minority report you know and and that's not how i see things to, to predict the future you need to look at the trajectory of human beings what are the needs of human beings you know what are our emotional needs what are our, are our mental health needs what are our communication needs you know all of those things you know i mean instead of if that if it looked at it from that perspective then they would have projected um predicted social media not flying cars right because you know that's where that takes us so you know i'm very much interested in a, in a people people journey perspective and you know and and i say you know i don't believe the future will be like um the jetsons or minority report i believe the future will be more like mary poppins or harry potter <laughs>
And, you know, one thing I say is I believe the future will look more like the past than the present. And, you know, I could go into that some more. There's lots of reasons why I believe the future is going to look very much like the past. And normally when I say this, you know, people sort of believe me, but they're like, oh, that's cute. But, you know, like, you know, it is happening now. Like, you know, it's happening now. I've been saying this for years. It's so happening now. We have to go back to how things work. You, I love it. Okay. Um, can you say one more thing? Can, my, my goal is to be my goal is to be the Mary Poppins of technology. I'll just put that. <laughs> okay. So so given that the Mary Poppins or um, as a uh, as an adjunct professor at Hogwarts is that right? <laughs> um, so could you could you do two things for us? Give us um, a little bit about what magical means to you in terms of magical technology and and also tell us a little more practically what Novelia is is working on now uh, now and for the future yeah sure yeah I guess I don't know whether I've ever said what I think magic is before but I, I think um, let me get to that let me get unpack that a little I guess you know something that's magical is is something I mean, there's various aspects of it, right? So it, it creates awe and wonder in the person that sees it. And it creates surprise and it creates delight. And it's, it's the ability to do something that people don't believe is possible, are surprised by, um, um, you know, it seems unbelievable. Um, and, um, and it is also quite simple, um, you know, in terms of what it does. Um, but actually, it's enabled by combining things that already exist in a way that's put together that no one else has put them together before, and working on the psychology of the person who's receiving it with sleight of hand and distraction to create an expectation of something so that what they see seems impossible and unbelievable. But actually, what you're doing was probably been possible for a long time, but you're really connecting things that have existed together with an emotional experience that you've managed to give a person before they have that experience. And I think that's what can all go together to create, to create magic. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a huge amount of sense. Um, I think that the part about the, about the experience of the, of the individual is, is something that always seems to in my my site to always you know comes uh, comes second to the technology often yeah the technology but but it has to come from the person's perspective and you see the thing is if you think that magic is developing some technology that's never been done before to enable something to happen so that they you know, then you're trying to be too clever and, 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 and you're not thinking about the person, you know, and, and, um, and so that's why I had to break those chains of like, you know, because when people look at, when people experience something I've created, usually they have a magical experience, you know, usually if they've not seen it before, what we've done, it seems magical. But then if they pull it apart, then they go, oh, actually, you've not done anything. You've taken... 10 years old technology with 10 years old technology and you've done that and actually there's nothing new here. And I know that, I, I know that, you know, what I'm doing could have been done 10 years ago or 20 years ago and I don't give a shit. 
um, you know, because that, that's why I had to have that, that, that thought in the beginning. I'm not, I'm not out to impress other engineers. Um, I just want to pull together some things and I want to try and think about people first. Um, I, I have something which it, it, I I've never thought about that, by the way, before in my life, but I didn't even realize it until this second. Magic is, you, you couldn't discover it. And, it, it, and it, you, you said it's like, I've just figured it out before someone else. That's all there is. Yeah. But magic and technology is completely worthless unless you actually share it with anyone else. Unless, <laughs> unless, you, unless you actually have a, not just an audience, but someone to take it in. And someone can look at it and go, oh, how did they do that trick? It's just up their sleeve. And the extra magic is, you know, originally magic used to be, yeah, it was just stuffed up their sleeve. Um, and now the bigger trick is, no, the person's not got any sleeves, but they can still do it. Magic's worthless unless you can actually share it with other people because if you're just doing magic tricks for yourselves you're limiting it, yourself to it and and so much of that actually is specifically based on obviously the the bigger picture of what we're discussing with art and technology unless you share it it's worthless it's yeah. completely worthless a gold a gold coin is worthless if it's buried in the ground <laughs> you know it's um but the magic you've discovered something anybody's discovered something and and they need to be able to find, okay, now I've got a practical application, whether it's hiding the bunny rabbit or making the uh, tin cups, the two cups with a string between them. Until someone discovered that for the first time, yeah. people couldn't communicate. It's one step at a time. Anyway, that just popped into my head. I just, no, I no, it's, it's a really good thought. And, it, and, you know, and it, I wouldn't say it's, and so I agree. And I wouldn't say if someone, sorry, and I'm saying this, I'm, I'm discrediting my a thought, something I've not even said yet. Um, that, that if someone knows how it's done, it's worthless. But it's almost next to worthless um, once they know how it's done because because the magic's gone. The thing still happens, but but the magic and the surprise. Um, and I'm not just trying to create magic tricks. I, it's it's more philosophy. I mean, it's not in everything that we do. It's just you know these are just philosophical drivers that I have in my head. You know that 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 become you know the accent that's placed on on something that that I might create. But yeah, it's a really good point. There's there's no point. Um, there's no point, um, it's not magical if no one experiences it, because yeah, magical's it, magic is in, the, is in the eye of the behold, I guess. Um, can I ask a technical question? Sure. Um, on, that, on that note. So I hope this doesn't sound too esoteric, but the, for me, I come from a painting background and the magic in painting for me comes in these places where you'll see an image, right? You see a painting of, you see a Monet painting of, of a lily. You step back, you see there's something that feels almost photographic and then you walk up close to it and you see these very thick brush marks. The closer you get, the more abstract they get. And the less that you can understand how that brush mark equaled that lily the better the painting is. The less you understand about that connection, the more magical the experience is. Sure. And so the, huh. the, way, that, the way that translates to where we are now <clears throat> in terms of technology and specifically what you do is that, for instance, the first time, I remember the first time that I picked up an iPhone <clears throat> and zoomed in and out on an image. And just that reduced latency enough, you know, the, so that you have the sensation that you are touching a virtual image. You know that you're not, you know that these are, that these are pixels on a screen, but your nervous system feels like you are. Yeah. 
that is magical. And you don't have to know how, it, even if you know how it works, um, the experience is still a magical one. There's still ways to yeah. develop that experience. <clears throat> I feel like that's what you are creating. You're touching a poster and you're having a digital, uh, an experience that traverses the digital space is, is what you're interested in just the product. In other words, just getting these posters to behave like it would if it was an actual screen, but it has the tactility or, or maybe it's and, or um, is it getting people to react? Is it getting people to react to digital technology in a different way? Like, is there a longer term strategy in your head about bringing people on a journey to think about relating to digital technology in a fundamentally different way. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it, it, I think it does make sense. So I have an interpretation of it that I hope is, you know, is, is what you're meaning. Um, you know, and, and it's not really, it's not really about digital technology. Um, so, so you're saying, am I creating things that are stepping stones towards getting people to a different place and understanding what digital technology means? Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and it's not really about digital technology. It's just, it's about us having a relationship with the world around us mm -hmm. where, where, you know, the brush strokes or how the brush strokes put down or the strings or the wires start to disappear yeah. because, because our reality is everything that isn't are, are, are like, you know, what is real is everything that we think is not real. And everything we think is not real is, is, is everything that we think is real is not real. If that makes, well, it makes no sense. Mm -hmm. um, um, you, you know, everything really is about a flow of energy and, and, and our reality is it, really where it's about, it's about being in our imagination. And, you know, all res you know, ultimate resolution is when, is when we get into, into interpretation of, you know, of how our mind interprets, how our mind interprets things. And our, and our, the relationship between, you know, this um, and this um, and, and, and breaking down those barriers and allowing us to, to get back to being part of, of the universe um, rather than being separate to the universe um, and letting go of sense of ego. And I, I'm interested in, I'm interested in breaking down those barriers and, and just allowing us to become part of everything that, that's around us. And, you know, I mean, I don't know if this is a way of explaining some of that, but if, if someone wants to recreate like, you know, like a holiday from, from Star Trek or something like that, um, Star Trek, yeah, um, and, and they want to like, and I've, I've been somewhere once, it's like, what resolution of screen do you need around you for you to think it's real? And what resolution of audio do you need to put in? And how do you deliver that audio in a way that you, th that you think it's real? You know, and that's like the engineer trying to recreate reality. Actually, you don't need to do any of that at all. And um, all you need to do is to trick the brain with some very low resolution stuff that what you have um, is reality. You could create an ultra high resolution screen, sound, smell, all of those, you know, states. Or you could give someone a fucking good book with a great story. And from the pages and with that ink, they will be into a world that's, that you could never even, even create. And really the trick is, is, to, is to tap into people's imaginations and break down these barriers and allow the resolution of tech and everything around us to disappear. So I'm really interested in, as technology shrinks to the point where it becomes invisible, what does that mean? You know, like, like what, what, what happens? Um, you know, something I say is a computer's used to fill a room 
Then they filled desk. Then they filled our lap, our palm, our wrist. Someone injected an NFC chip into my hand. I've only ever used it once, and it was to open a hotel door in Baltimore, which I thought was fun. <laughs> I don't know why, yeah. but it was, it was fun. Um, and the point um, is, is the, the journey of te technology is going to disappear and become so small we can't see it. It will be within everything. Secondly, we're actually very nostalgic. We're very nostalgic about the past, the good old days, how things used to be. And as much as we imagine this kind of, you know, dystopian future, oh, my daughter shouted to me. Um, yeah. Hey, darling, I'm on doing a video. Um, <laughs> life. Um, you know, we imagine this kind of dystopian future, but, but, but actually we're very nostalgic and, and, and we tend to design and create things that look very old fashioned. And so I imagine this future with very old fashioned looking things with invisible technology that you can't see that adds yeah. in the ability to have a magical world. And I imagine the time of King Arthur of which and Merlin, which we don't know when it was in the past, I think it's in about 10 years from now where we will have magic wands and spells and we can walk into a room and say something and things will move around and organize themselves. And, and, and actually I used to say that, but now we're a long way there, you know, with yeah. Amazon Echo and, you know, all sorts of things. Technology will shrink and become invisible. And then we will have this magical relationship with the things around us. Um, and, you know, and I, I think that's, that's, that's where we're going. I hope that's still answering. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I love it. I love it. The future, the future is old fashioned. Um, can, so if we're, if we're just popping in now and someone knows nothing about you, what, what you do, can you, you, you're standing in front of some of Novelli's products. Um, <laughs> um, uh, can you, can you, can you show us, can you give us a little demo, explain, oh. explain the basis, what it is, um, what you're working on now, anything you'd like to share about. Okay. And I've made a massive build up and now it's only going to be a letdown because I've, I've built it up <laughs> way, way too much. Um, you know, it's all I do. Be, is it's I, not going to be a letdown, Kate. That's uh, going to be very exciting. Yeah, share. Please share. Okay. So I've got, I have a few things. Um, see what I've got. Um, so um, this one's fun. Oh, it's actually a bit broken. This one is fun. So um, what we do is we, um, this one's actually broken. Uh, so this is a, do you know what? I'm going to try and show you another way. Allow me to try and do this. Bear with me. Oh, there we go. Um, can you see that? Perfect. So it's an intergalactic alien music remixing rap battle poster. As you um, do. Typical, you can, same, old, same old theme. <laughs> the same old theme. Yeah. Um, and you can touch different parts. Um, I know there's a bit of a lag in my video. Um, it's down a little bit. Um, you can touch different parts and trigger sound loops. Can you hear that? Yep. Can you hear it? Okay, yeah. Yeah. And then other parts trigger vocals. So that's kind of fun. So <laughs> it's a it's a poster, and when you touch it, you know um, you get this music remix. Um, 
show you something else. We made this for um, for IKEA. Mm -hmm. Uh oh, oh, I'd broken this one too. So sorry about that. Um, it's a so this was sent out to homes in the Memphis area, and it's a new IKEA store that was opening. And um, we created a pop-up of Beale Street, and then we recorded the sounds of the home. So um, when you touch different places, um, I've just broken the speaker, um, it, plays, it plays sounds of the home remixed. So we created a kitchen drum set made out of cutlery and banging pans, and that made a drum kit and it would trigger drum loops. And then we tapped a glass and recorded the different frequencies and, and sounds of dripping. And we made um, a blues remix of sounds of the home for Ikea. So, you know, the idea was to try and pull together Memphis, Beale Street, music, Ikea, home, just pull all those things together and then create an experience that someone could have with a cardboard box mm -hmm. that just allowed all of those different feelings and things um, to come through. So, you know, that, that's what we created there. Um, this is another music remixing poster. We, we love our music remixes. Um, you see that one okay? Yep. Um, Very cool. To get better eyesight, I can't actually see all my different cameras. Okay, there is that better? Yeah, That's okay, cool. Right. So the synth, the keys, the drums, the vocals, and the one shots are all in different channels. So. And it's all quantized, so you know they'll only play in beat. Things will only play in time, um, and you know. So, you know. So we'll work with an artist. We'll create some artwork. We'll work with a musician who, who will create some music, um, and then we use the tech to put the music and and the the art together in a way that the user can just touch it and feel like they're the music producer. So so you know the tech keeps the music in time. It makes sure that not too many instruments can play over the top of each other. Mm -hmm. um, and so the user is like, hey, I'm a music producer. So suddenly you've magically made this person who says they're not a musician, not musical, they have no timing. You've magically made them feel as though in that moment they are a music producer. Mm -hmm. you know, and that's kind of the magic there. I mean, this part, you know, one layer is, oh, you can touch a poster and now it talks to you and plays some sounds. But if you can take that person on a journey and allow them to be something that they, you know, only dreamt that, that they could be, you yeah. know, then that's the idea of, of what that might be. We did, um, we did that for Can I Pizza Hut too. So we made, um, we made a pizza box so you could actually DJ on the pizza box, <laughs> which was kind yeah. of fun. Um, I like to say it's cheesy tunes with beats on the side. <laughs> um, Michael, you wanted your question? You wanted to yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Ah. Too much going on. Okay. Um, yeah. I think first of all, okay, if you can uh, make your screen so we can see you again for a second. Um, so, uh, just because I was doing some research on it before, um, you know, one of the things you mentioned that happened to you is, um, and, and obviously, unfortunately, we don't have the time to go into the detail about now. And I suggest anybody who's going to listen to this researches it about at the time uh, you were attacked by a, a stag. Um, but you, you said afterwards, you know. 
you, you pivoted it and you said um, in your, one of your interviews that, you know, the, the media made a huge thing about you. About, they, they changed the story and they made it about really your, I guess, you as a, like being transgender and so on. And, but reality, the story was you've been attacked by a stag, you know, but then yeah. you ended up sitting down and meeting with them and having a conversation. And one of the things that I found really, really interesting is, is newspapers in general, printing press, it's, you, you said it outright in the interview, it's a dying industry. You know, they're, 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 they, they don't know what's going on next. They are unfortunately closing down um, newspapers a lot. The industry is just shrinking at, a, at a, an incredible pace. Um, now, with that in mind, you said in it that my technology, your technology is, is going to be integrated in their, in their I guess, platform so that they actually might have a future. And one of the yeah. things you gave as an example of how you can actually interact it. So if there's a newspaper that comes out, you'll put your technology in so it makes it interactive. I know people can look up the, the, the news on their phone and they can stroke to it, but people are still buying newspapers. There is still a benefit to it. And in the same way, people are still buying books. You know, uh, the tablets, the, uh, the nooks and the, um, you know, the, the fire, the Amazon fire things, they're universally available, but at the same time, people are still buying books. People yeah. want an interactive uh, experience on anything. You know, it's, everything is going interactive. Can you do me a favor and tell me a little bit about what, what is it, not just, not just that. I mean, obviously I've given the newspaper example, but you know, people, not everyone can afford a piano, not everyone can afford a keyboard, but people can afford paper and so on to learn um, piano and teach themselves that by pressing, you know, you, in the same way you were pressing sampling, what are the applications that not just a DJ, not someone like that, what are the practical applications do you think for the average Joe in their house are going to be with your technology? That's a lot to unpack. That was a whole, that was, that was, a, that was a journey of a question. Like, where do we go? Like, I know this is the last bit, but, you know, you took that on a whole big journey right there. Um, there's, a, <laughs> there's a lot. Apologies, <laughs> apologies. You, we're, 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 you know, you referenced uh, Game of Thrones, so everything's pretty epic as a result. That's, wow, crikey. That's like a... You can, you can bite off any, any part, any one, any part of that, Jude. Yeah, well, so, okay. I wasn't attacked by a stag. It, it accidentally ran into me while it was running away from somebody else. I don't want to give the stag a bad name. You know, it... it it was running away from I've, already, else. I've been trash-talking this stag for months now. That This stag is the villain in this whole thing. I don't like you defending it, okay? The stag is the villain, and it attacked you, and then it pulled out a gun and threatened you unless you gave the wallet. So that's the story I'm going with. Ran off with your purse, the whole deal. I've, I've got bigger problems where I live. I, we've got a compost bin in the garage. It's so heavy, I can't lift it. Left the garage door open the other night. Came down in the morning. It was something carried it onto our drive and tipped it over. We've had a fucking bear in the garage there's, there's a bear comes visiting the house these animals they're like out to get me i'm, I'm bloody vegan I, I leave them alone like leave me alone um anyway yeah um you know the, the irony with that with the newspapers was one month before one month before um i was at the um i was introduced to like a probably couple of board members of of like murdoch's factory Newsprint UK or whatever it is, um, in that well, in their boardroom, I was introduced to them, in the boardroom of the factory that prints like it's the biggest printing newspaper factory in I don't know in Europe or the world. It's huge. It's huge. 
and and they had me in just to say you know we're interested in your technology maybe there's something you know we can use and i don't know that we can put it in a newspaper or, or i don't know whether we can or we can't um it's you know it's 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 going to be too expensive so i'm not going to say we can um you know but they certainly wondered if we could um and i remember climbing the ladders and going up and down on their printing presses that one month later were printing headlines and calling me out as transgender making that a story when one month earlier i was the person in their boardroom and they're talking about that when they're saying you know maybe you could save our industry well i know i can't save your industry but just the fact that that was in their head a little bit it shows a disconnect between how they really treat people in real life and you know and what they might write in a headline mm -hmm. um just to just to try and you know sell sell more newspapers and you know and yeah they did write some awful things about me it was horrible you know but then i ended up with a great relationship with them, with them and you know in the newspaper that wrote the worst the worst headline about me the daily record in uh, in scotland i i've spent you know quite a few days there with with their editor um um talking about how we can work together um with tech and with all sorts of things you know it's this it's, it's really and and they ended up making me a member of the of the board that um writes the rules by which the British press um, has to abide by. So I ended up, I still am on the Editor's Code of Practice Committee. Um, so that's that part of the story. Um, you know, but I know, like I say, it's probably too expensive to put in the newspaper and, and to put in, in everything. Um, um, and, and we have put things in the book, and I can show you a book that we put a piano in. Can I show you that? Yeah, definitely. To go back to my other little overhead images. <clears throat> I know there's a lag. I'm, I'm working on getting a faster computer because I've maxed out my yeah. computer. Um, when you add six cameras to, to Zoom, it starts to break. Um, so, this is a songwriter's notebook. And the idea is it's just a normal notebook that you can write in. Um, although, my favorite bit are these lines down the bottom here. I don't know if anyone knows what they are. Um, manuscript lines um i put them there for footnotes <laughs> i thought it was funny um and then in the back um there's a fold out bluetooth keyboard um so you can be writing your music writing the lyrics and then if you've got an idea of sound in your head you can try it out and play it um, there i'm not sure if it's actually running i can try and see if the little app runs I'm genuinely fascinated by this, just so you know, because I didn't, I, I, when I was imagining asking the question, I was imagining, oh, you know, a, a printout thing of an actual piano, like a 64 key <laughs> piano. And you've, you've just shown, I didn't have a clue this was coming. And all of a sudden you brought out, oh, it's a notebook, it's a musical instrument that I compare with a phone. Yeah. And it seems to me like, I, I did not see that coming. That wasn't how I asked the question. But I was asking, <laughs> what, are the, what are the practical applications here? And I'm looking at a, a, at a, a notebook as a musical instrument. I've never seen anything like that before in my life. Because notebooks, yeah. they called them notebooks because they're supposed to play notes. So I just fixed it for them. <laughs> um, you know, and, and magic is leading someone to the point where they imagine something and then you just bring it up. And this is your card. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> can you, can you play, play the notebook for us? Okay. I'm actually not a pianist. I can't play the piano at all. <laughs> <laughs> but that is amazing, Kate. Yeah, I, I, I'm. I'm literally almost like I'm, I'm. I am a piano player, and I'm amazing. Like just shocked by this. Yeah. 
I wish you could see it for real. So it's um, it's it's um, it's gold coloured foil stamp keys. So you can actually feel the tactility of the keys. It's just foil stamping of keys. Um, and you know, so in my mind, it's um, you know, in, in my mind, it's it's you have a, a beautiful notebook. It's you know, it's cloth. It's a cloth covered notebook with nice pages and nice you know headings at the top and the manuscript at the bottom. And you know, and I just imagine the person like they've got an idea of some lyrics and so they write them down and then they're like, oh I wonder what it sounds like. And it's like, of course you fold out a paper keyboard at the back and play and play that, you know? And we've done it so you can write the title at the top, um, it's got a page number, you can write the date, and then in the beginning of the book you can write the page number and the project. So you can work on multiple projects in the book, you know, save a few pages for each one. Um, and then with the app, you can press, you press record on the book. So if I press record on the book, oh, and then stop, um, you can save the recording and then you can, so you can play it back and then it lists and saves them all in date order. So when you go back in your book and you go, oh, what was I thinking? You go, okay, you read it and you go, what was I hearing? And then you just go into the app and you can play back what you had. So I just tried to create it as if, as if Mary Poppins made it, you know, as if, of course the book does that, you know? Anyway. That's brilliant. So Kate, I, um, I want to be sensitive to your time, We're going close to an hour here. Um, I also just want to make sure before we wrap up, that people know where in the internet's to go to find you and to find out about you and to reach out to you. Yeah. Third, where to go to learn and buy your products. This is where I should press a magic button and it appears on the bottom of the screen, but I haven't yeah. had we can, we, can, uh, we can add that. We can add, we'll add this, by the way, we'll add, we'll add this in the show notes. Um, so we will add all the links in the show notes, but if people want to reach out, reach out to you, how do they, how do they contact you? Um, okay. I'm going to try and type it on the screen. I'm trying to type it on the screen. Um, everything is Dr. Kate Stone yeah. at whatever. Okay. Um, so let me see if I can, if I can put it on the screen. Great. If not, we will do it post-production. There we go. <clears throat> There you go. I hope I've spelled it right. There baking you go. News. It's my baking news. Baking yeah. News. Yeah. yeah. Baking news. It's to my bake. It's my baking news channel. <laughs> Coming up next, baking news, Dr. Kate Stone. Um, okay. Um, so, uh, email, Twitter. What's the best way of contacting you? Dr. Kate Stone at gmail dot com. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, Dr. Kate Stone on Twitter. Dr. Kate Stone on Facebook. Dr. Kate Stone on Instagram. Okay, so at Dr. Kate Stone, um, and from your website, uh, can people buy, for instance, the piano book? People wanted to place orders. Yeah, for I think the piano books for sale on the website, and it's okay. Navalia.co.uk. I say Navalia, people say Navalia. N-O-V-A-L-I-A.co.uk. Fantastic. Okay, so um, we'll, we have a shop there. Yeah. We'll put links in the show notes so people can uh, access. Yeah, and we we sell you know we sell the circuit boards these these. Um, these circuit boards so you know these things and um, so people can can make their own so this is the one that plays audio and the speakers that go with that that you just clip on this is the bluetooth one and then 
Also, we sell these conductive ink stickers. So um, you, all you do is stick a sticker down, print out a graphic, stick the graphic on top, press the circuit board on from the back, and then use the software tools to make it do whatever you want it to do. Amazing. And are there? Do you guys have uh, tutorials for that? If people um, uh, less yeah, I think that I think there are some. There are some videos of some tutorials. All right. So yeah. uh, we'll get the we'll get those from you, and we'll put all of that in the show notes so people can uh, can inquire. I'm going to make one comment, and then probably ask Ben if you want to wrap it up. Um, yeah. I uh, like I said, I never saw the keyboard. I, I saw your, your website, and thank goodness there's plenty of contact content um, on. Uh, um novalia um uh, so you know people can research that i'm a pretty simple guy as far as things go i'm really impressed by that keyboard i know obviously i've seen you've got a ted talk with um with djing on paper which is incredible people want more for less obviously these days and the fact when you pulled out that keyboard i don't know what the other applications out there could be for your technology i um you know, it's, uh, but I'm, I'm very, very impressed to think that, you know, I used to, if you move a piano and <laughs> you're going to have to move a piano, it's a heavy piano. Even if you move a keyboard, it has to be picked up and slept around to think that you've managed to take uh, hundreds of years of technology and, you know, from a grand piano to a baby grand to an upright piano and then eventually put it in uh, something like that. I don't know what else the other applications are, but I'm, I'm amazed just to think that, um, that's what your technology is doing. And I, I just hope for the future, it comes out just even more oh. than uh, it goes in an even better direction. Yeah. Thank you. No, I hope, you know, I hope it can go, you know, in all sorts of places. And, you know, it's very hard for people to imagine what something can do. And you imagined a thing, and, you know, and then it manifests. Um, and, you know, when I spoke at TED, the reason why I DJed on paper and the reason why I put the drums on a poster was because... I can talk about the future. I can say what tech can do. Um, I could show the tech doing something. It, you know, I've got the album cover somewhere. You know, I did the, I don't know where it is, the, the DJ Schubert album cover. You know, um, DJ Schubert saw the TED talk and then asked him if I could do his album cover. And then we did this. I'm not going to go the camera. Um, but the reason I made that was. I want to create things that are just a little odd. I mean, it makes no sense to DJ on paper, but, but I create these things that are just a long way from where people's mind is. So I create something over here and then create something over here and it stretches people's imagination and then they can imagine all the things in between. So if they can go, wow, if you can DJ on paper, then maybe you can do blah, blah, blah. You can do a book, then maybe you can do so-and-so. You know, so they're not gonna, I don't mean for people to take it literally the things that I might create. Yeah. But I need to break those chains, Kate Stone, baker, baker of chains, um, <laughs> to, to, you know, to, to allow people's imagination, to, you know, to, to think, you know, if anything around us can be interactive and connected, you know, what, what would it be? And, you know, we've been working with the smart home, with the, with the Echo device, creating pieces of print you can stick anywhere in your home, touch them, and they can connect to Echo and trigger something to happen on Echo. So imagine now you've got a piece of paper that's connected into Google Home. You can print out and stick a light switch on the wall. You mm. could stick an album cover on the wall and when you touch it, your sound system starts playing music. Now everything around you that just looks like a sticker or paper or looks ordinary, doesn't look like tech. We have to get rid of those strings. 
you know, that connect things, get rid of those wires, get rid of those brush strokes that you know how they're done and allow ordinary things to be, to have a sense of interaction and to be connected. And then in the cloud, it can trigger other things to happen. And that's when we create this sort of magical, immersive, um, connected and, and sensitive world that looks very, very old fashioned, you know. Um, and that's what I've all, always strove to do, to, to create that magic and that delight with just everyday things, just just doing something that you might imagine, you know, like, and it's possible. And it's, it's about understanding people. Um, it's about creating a journey and a story to place an expectation on people. And then it's about connecting and using things that have been around for a long time to enable that magic to happen. Beautiful, Kate. Um, I, there's, there's, we've only obviously just scratched the surface. We haven't gone into your activism, the breadth of your public speaking, which is unbelievably extensive. In addition to being a TED fellow, you've spoken all over the world at breakneck speed in addition to running your company. Um, and, uh, your, uh, your various hobbies on the side. Um, being a prep. I, I want to tell you, I want to talk about my, yeah. <laughs> I want to talk about my hydroponics. <laughs> hydroponics, of course. Of I've, course. I've been exploring, I've been exploring how to grow my own, my own food in the house, you yeah. know, with this global, global pandemic happening. Um, so I might, I might accidentally um, have a live feed from my hydroponics system. All right, let's see it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's an, an actual live feed um, from, um, you know, growing some lettuce and some herbs and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and it's all voice controlled. So the temperature, the fan, the light um, is all controlled by, by Amazon Echo. And so I, it might even work. Um, um, I have to remember what it's called. Alexa. Grow light off. <laughs> and then it goes to IR. So you <laughs> um, sorry, digress. That's that, um, very good. We have um, yeah, one tiny little glimpse into the the uh, the enormous world, fascinating world um, of Dr. Stone. Um, I'd love to follow up next time. Maybe something, maybe doing something really um, you know, specific and short on your technology so people can really see how it works yeah. either for an instrument or for like something like setting it up in the home. Um, so people can really get that tactile sense and, and start their imaginings about, about where they can go with this. Um, so, Thank you so much. Thank you for all your kind words. Thank you. Uh, I really always, 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 always an inspiration. Thank you so much for your time. Um, and we'll, we'll hopefully do this again uh, real soon. Awesome. Thank you. Bye. Bye, Kate. Thanks. Take care. Bye.